Well, I am uh, just really encouraged today to look back over 2014 and recount all the blessings that God has poured out uh, upon us as a family and us as a church and uh, even the challenges and struggles of life. When you look back upon them, you can see God's hand at work and recognize the blessings that God has even through the difficult times as he proves his faithfulness over and over again. And, you know, it was this time last year that we were preparing to launch uh, the 75th uh, anniversary celebration of Southside Baptist Church. And we spent this entire year celebrating this church and all the blessings that God has had on it, uh, the way he's used it. We started off, if you'll remember, by reading straight through the entire Bible, 75 hours in the Word. And we met up here on, on New Year's Eve and read all the way through to that Sunday, that first Sunday of 2014. And there were several words that sort of captured our imagination throughout the year. You know, our commitment to God's word, we said, was something that was really important to us as a church family, that it was the foundation for us as a church. Uh, we said another thing that was critical for the success uh, of the Christian and the Christian church was prayer. And so we spent 75 days in prayer. And then we said another thing that sort of characterized our church was uh, a commitment to community, both the community of believers and our commitment and involvement in this community where God has placed us. So we spent 75 days of community over the summer, and then we wrapped up the year with the word generosity, 75 days of generosity, because we recognize that God has been incredibly generous to us and that we are most like God when we too are generous. And so we have celebrated God's generosity and the generosity of this church. And as I thought back through all of those words, and I was thinking these past two Sundays as we focused on the first chapter of the Gospel of John, the idea that the Word became flesh. And I was reminded again the power of words, that words do have meaning and power, that the words, I love you, how powerful. How many of us could say that there was a point where we heard those three simple words and it changed us? Something about those words transformed us. There are other words that do harm. Uh, words like, you're fired. Those are two words we don't want to hear, right? But they're words that have power. They can change the trajectory of our life and they can alter things. Words have meaning. Words are powerful. And so those four words from 2014 that have characterized this church for 75 years, and as we celebrate 75 years, I'm reminded that there is no more important time in our relationship with God than the present. That God is a God of yesterday, today, and forever. And often we relegate him to just a God of yesterday, the older we get, don't we? We look back on all the things that God's done and we celebrate them and we remember the good old days, which, by the way, may not be as good as we remember them. But God is not just a God of yesterday. Or sometimes maybe we think of God as a God of forever, a God of eternity, and we think we look way past the present into the future and we hope and we dream for something better that is yet to come. And, and whether we do the past or whether we choose to live in the present, in both accounts we often miss where God is speaking to us and that is always in the present. God is a God of here and a God of now. And so as we finish 2014 and the celebration of Southside's 75th year, I'm looking forward to 76. And as we launch into year 76, I, I had a few phrases, a few words that 
that I've been praying through back in September and October and as the staff went on a staff retreat in November, I shared these words, these phrases with the staff. And, and as we marched through December and we were coming to this Sunday, I, I thought, you know, I, I want to share these words with the entire congregation because they have power and meaning. Not just for us as a church, but hopefully for you and your personal walk with Christ and in your family. And so on the back of your bulletin this morning, if you want to write these down, my challenge to you is to use these four phrases more often in 2015. Commit to using these more often. And so I just want to share them with you. And the first one is just a word. It's not a phrase. And it's the word yes. Everybody say yes. 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 Now, here's, here's something that it was told to us back in a parenting class when we were having preschoolers in the house. You know, one of the things that parenting experts say is that you should try to say yes instead of no. In other words, when your preschooler asks you if you can go to McDonald's, you say, instead of saying no, we can't go to McDonald's, you say, we're going to go home and have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You replace a no with a yes. Instead of saying something negative that you can't do, you say something positive that you can do. Yes. What can we do? One of my favorite verses uh, in the book of Psalms is Psalm 16, verse 5 and 6. And the psalmist says this, Your boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. God's boundary markers in your life are a yes for something. But so often, we look at the boundary markers in our life as God's no to us, rather than seeing them as God focusing our vision on exactly what it is he wants us to do. Let me give you some examples. So if you're in a stage of life or in a situation in your family where there's a physical limitation, maybe it's a health condition, uh, maybe there's something, maybe it's a young child or maybe it's an aging parent and you find yourself confined by the restraints of your physical life or the physical life of someone that you love, so often we think there's so much I can't do right now. But what if that's God's way of focusing you in on his yes for you? What if in that boundary marker, God has marked out a pleasant place for you that is a yes? And rather than focusing on the things you can't do, you say, these are the things I can do. This is what God has called me to do. Do you know some of the most powerful prayer warriors in this church are physically limited from ever going with us on a mission trip? They're physically limited from even coming to church as much as they want to. And yet they're praying for many of you by name and you may not even know them. What is the yes in your life? Where can you say yes rather than always focusing on the no? I was thinking back through the life of our church over these past six and a half years as I've had the privilege to serve as the senior pastor. And you know, people are looking at this period of our our history and especially in the church and they've coined a phrase for it, a name for it. It's called the Great Evangelical Recession. Because churches are so much in decline financially and in attendance. And at a time when so many churches are focused on the no's, Southside has continually focused on the yes. What can we do? Do you realize that it was at one of the lowest times financially that God sent some refugees from a people group we'd never heard of called the Karen? And Southside Baptist Church said yes. And today there are over 200 people from the Karen ethnic group living in Jacksonville that worship at Southside Baptist Church. A church was started because Southside Baptist Church said yes instead of focusing on the no's. 
There was a time when God said, you know what, we're gonna, there's a church that has had to close its doors. And Southside said yes to the Larson community and established the Larson Outreach Center. You find the yes. And God has yeses for you in your life in the new year. And, and maybe, maybe this is something as simple as in your relationships with your husband and your wife, your, your children, your parents. Rather than focusing on all the negativity, what if you found something positive? What if you found something that you could say yes to rather than always saying no to something? God's calling us in 2015 to say yes to more things. I, I think God may be opening up an opportunity for us to plant another church right here in San Marco that targets young adults and college students, a, a demographic that is largely going missed in most of our churches. What if we said yes to that? What if we said yes to opening up the gymnasium as the San Marco Outreach Center where people in the community could come and, and could meet other believers and find their way into the church, maybe not through the front door, but through the back door? God has set boundary markers for all of us in our lives and in our churches, and those boundary markers call us to the pleasant place that he has set before us, but we have to be willing to say yes. And I know the, the pushback is immediate. Well, we can't say yes to everything, but what happens many times is because we can't say yes to everything, we say no to everything instead. Let me give you a simple principle that you can apply even as, you're, even as you're going about town. You think there's homelessness everywhere, and I can't help all the homeless people, but you can help one. Do for one what you wish you could do for all. That's how you say yes. You do for one what you wish you could do for all. Do you know during our 75 days of generosity, we used this same jar that we're now using to collect change for Lottie Moon. And we called it uh, our making change jar. And we talked from the story of Ruth about what it meant to glean, that when the extra that we had, just the extra, how we can use that for a good cause. And we said, if all of us put a little bit, made a little bit of change, it would make a big change in somebody's life. And we collected coins in that jar for the entire months of October and November. And I know many of you have been waiting to hear how much was in that jar. It was over $1,500 in that jar. $1,500. And um, so we began to pray, God, what can we do with this jar? Because $1,500 is not going to meet all of the needs of everybody that we know. But we said, you know, there is somebody that it can. We can't say yes to everything, but we can say yes to one. We can do for one what we, could, what we wish we could do for everybody. And I, I would like to invite up on the stage with me this morning Peter Rowe. Peter, come here. He didn't know I was going to do this. Many of you have gotten to know Peter, um, Peter and Elizabeth, and uh, have gotten to be friends with him. This is pictures from their baptism back. Uh, it was my privilege to get to baptize you and to baptize Elizabeth. And um, even, even last night, I uh, received a, a phone call that Elizabeth was in the ER and she's been admitted to the hospital. Um, she, uh, she is not doing well, but we're continuing to pray for her. Many of you have prayed for her. Uh, Peter is her primary caregiver. She's on dialysis three times a week. And um, I, I just heard of stories where Peter would tell me that uh, they, would, uh, they would walk from San Marco to Shan's Hospital. And uh, there were times where uh, they had the resources, but not the way to get to a store to buy food. And they were dependent on others for all those things. And so we began to pray and said, what would it be like if we could make a big change in Peter and Elizabeth's life? And so Peter... Um, 
as word got out what we were doing, not only the $1,500 in the jar, but many people who love and care for you and Elizabeth contributed. And uh, we have purchased for you and Elizabeth a car uh, that you will be able to use uh, to get to the <laughs> hospital and doctors as you need. And not only, not only that, but there was so much collected that we were able to pay the first year's auto insurance for it. And uh, there were gas cards that have also been given. There were people in our church, more than one family, that said, this is our Christmas gift to our family is to be a part of this. And so, Peter, uh, we love you. We're so glad God brought you here. Um, Peter and Elizabeth, you know, are from South Sudan. Their whole, whole life was wrecked by the Civil War there. But God is a God who puts things back together. And so as God has brought you here, uh, we're excited about what he's going to do in your life. And we love you. And we're just so grateful for you, Peter. So what are we going to say more of in 2015? Yes. Yes, yes. we're going to say yes. Second thing I want you to say more often is what will make it better? Will you say that with me? What will make it better? One more time. What will make it better? Proverbs chapter 12 verse 15 says this. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Listen to advice. And sometimes... We have to invite it. What will make it better? And do you know this is the single best question you can ask if you truly want to be a better husband? Fellas, ask your wife, how can I be a better husband? Now, some of you won't do that because you're afraid of what she'll say. <laughs> but wives, the best way that you can be a better wife is to ask your husband, how can I be a better wife? I double-dog dare you to ask. What if you asked your children, how can I be a better father? How can I be a better mother? How, how can I be a better employee? How can I be a better employer? Thank you, Cindy. I'm glad you gave me that vote of confidence this morning. What will make it better? Don't be content with the status quo. As long as God has given you breath, he's given you the ability to grow and to be more like him. And we should always be asking, what will make it better? What will make us a better church? And here's the hard part. Not just asking the question. That may be hard enough, but what's harder is actually listening to what the person may tell you. My mic's not working. Is that better? Okay. Well, see... There. What will make it better? A microphone that works. <laughs> How far back in the sermon do I have to go? <laughs> okay, so what will make it better besides a microphone? It's a dangerous question because the minute you ask it, if the person answers honestly, you're confronted with the challenge of do you do what they suggested? Are you really going to make the change that's necessary to make something better. And if you are asked this question, let me just give you the Kenny Rogers principle. Especially husbands, this is for you. The Kenny Rogers principle is this. You gotta know when to hold them. You gotta know when to fold them. You gotta know when to walk away. And you gotta know when to run. And there's a verse. There's a verse that teaches this. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk Come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building others up according to their, what? Needs. 
that you say what is helpful. You truly tell them what would be helpful rather than just condemning or criticizing. You say what would help meet their needs, that it may benefit those who do what? Listen, it's not going to be a benefit to somebody who won't listen. What will make it better? And sometimes we have to love people enough to tell them the truth. And we have to love them enough to ask them the question, what will make it better? So in 2015, we're going to say, what first? Yes. And then we're going to ask the question, what? What will make it better? Now we've got another question I want you to ask more. How can I help? Everybody say it. How can I help? Now this is perhaps the most powerful question you can ask in your house. Now, I know the first thing you think of is somebody's got to take the trash out, and that's what they're going to tell me. If you're a student, I don't want to ask that question, how can I help, because it's just going to get me more work. But it's bigger than household chores. It's bigger than household chores. Do you know that the people that you love and who love you sometimes have issues in their life, and when they come and talk to you about it, the most powerful thing you can say to them is, how can I help? Without offering your own solutions, but asking them, what can I do to help? How can I help? It's a question we should be asking in our homes. And it's a question that really was modeled and demonstrated for us through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 7 tells this about Jesus. Think of yourself the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privilege of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, become human, he stayed human. It was an incredible, humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death and the worst kind of death, a crucifixion. How can I help? It puts us in a position where we become a servant to others. How can I serve you? What will make it better and how can I help? And so many times we avoid situations because we say, you know what, that's not my problem. But as a Christian who have the mind in us that was in Christ Jesus, it may not be my problem, but it is my responsibility It is my responsibility to serve others and to love others well and to demonstrate the servants of Christ and the love of Christ in their life. And that doesn't begin somewhere else in some other place at some other time. It starts right in your own house with the people who are closest to you. Many times it's easier for us to ask a stranger, how can I help, than it is to ask our own spouse or our own children. But I I just challenge you this week, Find somebody in your family, find somebody close to you, and just in a moment ask them, how can I help you? What can I do for you? What could I do that would really be beneficial to you? How can I help? So let's review. 2015, we're going to say what? Yes. We're going to ask the question what? What will make it? And then the next question, how can I help? And finally, and perhaps most importantly of all, Let me tell you why. Everybody say that with me. Let me tell you why. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15 says this. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Let me tell you why I'm serving people. 
Let me tell you why our church decided to collect all this change and bless Peter and Elizabeth. It's because we believe God has given us the best gift of it all in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. And so we seek to demonstrate God's generosity by being as generous as we can to all the people God brings into our path. Let me tell you why we work with refugees uh, from, from Burma. Because when we were aliens and strangers, God adopted us and took us in. And so that's why we do it. Uh, let me tell you why we serve the least of these in our community. Because we were all the least of these. And God chose to serve us. Let me tell you why. See, inspiration beats information every time. Actually, information without inspiration equals stagnation. You can get all the facts and all the knowledge, but without the inspiration of why it matters, why it makes a difference what we do as a church, why it makes a difference what you do with your family around the dinner table, without that kind of inspiration, we become stagnant, and we just become bloated with more and more information that never turns from word to flesh. And it's the inspiration, it's the story that turns words into flesh and turns it just from merely ideas, good ideas, into actually things that would be helpful to the community and to your family and to the world. This question forces you to check your motives and to be honest with yourselves. Now, I know none of us have ever done this, but do you know, have you ever given your kids a directive and you really, the reason you were telling them to do it is just because you wanted a little peace and quiet? But when they said, why do we have to take a nap? You, you, you're like, because I said so. Now, Sherry and I never did that. <laughs> because I said so reveals inside of you, that, that statement itself reveals a desire to be less than honest. See, this is a good question to ask yourself. Why am I doing this? Why am I acting this way? Why do I treat that person this way? Let me tell you why exposes the truth of our motives. And it can inspire people and it can change lives beginning with your own. See, before I can explain it to you, I have to first understand it myself. Let me tell you why. So let's review one more time. We're going to say these more in 2015. The first one is what? Yes. And then two questions. The first question What will make it better? The second question? And then the statement at the end, let me tell you why. Ralph Waldo Emerson once famously said, what you do speaks so loudly that I cannot hear what you say. All of these phrases that I've given you have actions that follow. They are an invitation for you to change the way you live. And it's not just some good ideas that I put down on paper, but it's actually actually living in accordance with, with the way God has called us to live, the pattern that Jesus set out for us. You see, at some point, God said yes to you. He said yes to us, that God chose us before the foundations of the world, the Bible said. I don't understand why he would do it, because we're some messed up, broken people. And God said, yes, I have a plan for you. And when we ask the question, what would make it better? God knew the answer. That the love of God would send the Son of God for the redemption of the world. That the only way that our sins could be forgiven, the only thing that would truly help would be a sacrifice, an an atonement for our sins. And so when the question was asked, what will make it better? The answer was a sacrifice. The sacrifice of his son, 
Jesus Christ. And when asked, how, could, how can I help? God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Christ gave his life for us so that we might have eternal life and abundant life forever. And let me tell you why. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And then verse 17, God tells us the re- he tells us a reason he didn't send his son. I did not send my son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. Let me tell you why. It's because of God's amazing love for you and for all the people of the world that he desires that they would know. So as Southside Baptist Church, I want us to say yes to the mission that God has for us. I want us to, I want us to draw close to the Father, and I want us to ask the question, what will make it better? What will make it better in our families? What will make it better in our community? What will make it better in our city and in our world? And then to be prepared to ask the question, how can we help? We can't do everything, but we can do something. How can we help? And then when we're confronted with the opportunity, let's be prepared to tell a watching world why we do it. Because the love of Christ compels us. Will you pray with me? As we come to this time of uh, commitment and invitation, I want to just extend this invitation to you for a much broader purpose than just one service. But perhaps at the end of the year, uh, you recognize just the amazing blessings that God has poured out on you and 2014. And I hope that sometime in the stillness of the holidays, you've had a few quiet moments to reflect and to give him thanks, but perhaps you haven't. And perhaps today, just as an expression of your worship, you'd come and pray these steps. But maybe there have been challenges and struggles and difficulties, and nobody's more excited about the beginning of a new year than you. And if you were honest, you would have a few things that you would tell God, things that would make your year better. You know, God's prepared to hear that too, that you can come and pray. You can pray right where you are, just responding to God's invitation, his yes to you. Behold, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open the door, I'll come in. Will you say yes to him? Father, on this, the last Sunday of 2014, we, your people, are grateful for your love your provision, your faithfulness to us, not just in the good times, but in the difficult times. And Father, as we conclude this 75th celebration, 75th year, celebrating of the 75th year, we look forward in anticipation with all that you will do. But Father, we want to be a people of right here and right now. Help us be fully present, fully aware that you are God with us in us, through us. Open our eyes to those who are around us who may only be with us for a moment, Father, a stranger, a family member, a neighbor. Help us to see the world and see the circumstances of the people around us the way you do. And Father, help us to say yes to you by saying yes to your will for our lives on a moment-by-moment basis. Father, make us humble 
Give us the mind of Christ that we would be humble as he was humble. That we would ask the question, how can we help? What can we do to serve? What will make it better? Lord, we pray in this time of commitment that your Holy Spirit would move and that we'd respond to you out of obedience and faith. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.